0: Sometimes things don't always seem as they really are. Hello everybody, this is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with the Practical Parsha Podcast. I hope you are well. And before we get into this week's Parsha, I just wanted to talk about how things aren't always as they seem. You know, a lot of times we're part of the instant generation, the the soundbite, the clip, and many times we get ourselves into trouble by thinking we know the whole picture from just the blip that we saw, the sound by that we heard, from what we saw on social media or the news. But we have to know that it's sometimes, and most times, it's not the whole picture. And this week's Parsha, which is Parsha's Vayeshev, there's so much going on, and there's many different storylines that are happening And some of the story that's happening, we're going to talk about Yosef. Joseph gets sold by his brothers. It's very hard to wrap our minds around how the the other 11 brothers of the 12 tribes who are our great leaders could hate their brother, could sell their brother, could want to kill their brother. And we're going to deal as well with the story of Yehuda and Tamar where Judah um, has relations with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, how do we understand that? And the answer to that is that in Judaism, you are allowed to ask questions. But we have to remember that the people that we are dealing with were great people. And true, they were human and they maybe did err in judgment at certain times, or maybe certain things seem incorrect. But if we take a deeper look and we understand the commentary, we're able to get the fuller picture and truly um, understand the depth and appreciate the lessons that the Torah is telling us. And as always, my email address is Rabbi Slamoko with A K at gmail.com. Questions, comments, Say hello. All emails are welcome. Shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha, as I mentioned, is Parsha's Vayeshev. And going to give a quick overview which I don't know how quick it's gonna be, but just to give us a little understanding of the parsha, there's so much going on. The Torah tells us of the story of Yosef, Joseph, how he was favored by his father, Yaakov, Jacob, and hated by his brothers. We're told about Yosef's dreams, which symbolized how the other brothers would eventually bow down to him. The brothers, they continue to hate him even more after they hear these dreams. Joseph, Yosef, is sent by his father, Yaakov, to look after his brothers when they go on a trip for a few days. The brothers, as he's coming towards them, they conspire to kill him. But Reuven, the oldest brother, Reuben, convinces the other siblings to spare Joseph's life. The brothers, as they're figuring out what to do with him, a caravan of Yishma'elim, of Arabs, come by and they decide to sell Yosef to them as a slave. Jacob, the father, is told that his beloved son Yosef was killed by an animal. And for the next 22 years, he's in a state of anguish and pain. In the middle of this story, the Torah pauses and tells us another story of the Judah and Tamar, Yehuda and Tamar. Now, it's interesting. There's a lot of depth and there's a lot of commentary that speak about this story and really from this story are the roots of the Davidic dynasty that King David would come out from this and Mashiach comes out from this line as well. Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Yehuda married to his oldest son and after Yehuda's oldest son passes away the halacha is, the law is that the a childless brother the wife is given to the next brother to establish a name for the brother that has been deceased. It's referred to as yibum. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. A leveret marriage. And Yehuda gives Tamar over. To the next brother in line. And he dies as well. Aaron Onan. After two brothers have died. Yehuda figures that this woman. Is a woman who has maybe bad. Mazel. I don't want to say luck. But it's not a, she's not a good woman. For his third son. Shelah. And he sends her away and says, Maybe just wait till Sheila gets older and then you'll marry him. But Yehuda never sends for her to be married to Sheila. Tamar, who was a righteous woman, foresaw prophetically that the Davidic line would come from her and was rightfully obligated to have been married to this third son of Yehuda, Sheila. Seeing that Yehuda is not going to give her over to his third son, she takes matters into her own hands. She dresses up as a harlot, as a prostitute. And as Judah is traveling on the way, she entices him to live with her unknowingly. After three months, Yehuda, Judah, who is a judge, a community leader, is told that his daughter-in-law, Tamar, is pregnant and that she's committed harlotry. She's sent to be killed, but does not reveal that Yehuda, the leader, the judge, was the one whose child she was carrying. Rather, all she says is that whoever these signs belong, a stick and a signet ring, that's who I'm pregnant from. Yehuda recognizes his stick, his signet ring, and admits it was him and that her actions are correct. Twins are born to Tamar named Peretz and Zarah. This begins the dynasty of David. The Parsha finishes by continuing the story of Yosef. As he gets down to Egypt, he's sold as a slave Whatever he does, he's always finding favor in people's eyes and having tremendous success. The Torah tells us how he's bought by his master, Potiphar. And Potiphar and Yosef quickly becomes in charge of the entire household of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife, seeing Yosef, who's a very beautiful man, desires to be with him and she tries to entice him day in and day out, to which Yosef refuses. Till finally, the story continues with the wife of Potiphar trying to physically coerce Yosef. Yosef flees the house and the wife of Potiphar claims, charges that Yosef tried to attack her. And he's put into prison where he's at the lowest point of his life. But yet at the same time, it's also the beginning of his ascent to being the viceroy of Egypt. And in prison he quickly again finds favor in people's eyes and he quickly becomes a person that people go to. And in prison, the Parsha concludes with him meeting the royal cupbearer of Paro, who is the king of Egypt, and the royal baker of Paro. They both have dreams and Yosef correctly interprets their dream telling the baker that he was going to die in a few days and the royal cupbearer that he was going to be restored to his position. The first thought I wanted to share with you is really a thread that runs throughout the Parsha. And the first Pasuk of this week's Parsha, it says, Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Migure Aviv Be'eretz Canaan. Jacob settled in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. And the commentaries question the use of the word Vayeshev, which is settled which is a, a wording which ser- seems to portend to relaxation, to retiring. And Rashi, right away in his commentary, picks up on this and explains. It says in Rashi, Vayeshev, that the wording of Vayeshev, that Yaakov settled, Yaakov LeShev that Jacob wished to settle in, in peace, to have retirement, so to say. So what happened? As soon as he did this, settled down, wanted to take it easy, whatever that means, right, for Jacob. Right away, as soon as that happened, the whole story of Yosef, this whole trauma of his son being kidnapped, happened to him. And Rashi continues. The righteous wish to dwell in serenity. Omar Hu. God says, Loi Litzadikim says, Is it not enough for the righteous that they they not only have the world to come, right? They're, they have the acquired mitzvos and Torah and good things, that now in the, the world to come, the next world, they're gonna have eternal bliss. Is that not enough for them? But rather, el but they also want in this world to have peace? And the, the question is asked is that this word, Vayeshev, connotes this rest, this retirement. And after going through such a challenging life, Yaakov Avinu, think what he had to deal with. He had a brother, Esav, that wanted to kill him. He had to deal with a father-in-law who tricked him when he wanted to get married and tricked him again and tried to finagle him all the time. He had to deal with his daughter getting kidnapped and raped, and now he was dealing with his other sons hating his "quote unquote" his favorite son. What that the Torah tells us how he favored Yosef, and he saw how the other brothers resented Yosef, and now Vayeshev after all these ordeals and after meeting Esav and battling a malach, battling an angel. He just wished to settle down, to take it easy. And Rashi says, is it not enough that the righteous have tranquility in the world to come and they also want in this world? So the question that's asked is, what does that mean? What is Rashi telling us that the righteous, that God says to the, to the tzaddikim, to the, the righteous people of the generation, that you can't have tranquility. You're going to have it in the next world. So maybe, you know, we shouldn't be righteous. It's not worth it. You can't have peace. Only after, only in the next world could you have some rest. Righteous people can't have tranquility. They're not allowed to retire. Why does the Torah, why does God seem to be so tough on Jacob? And what is the meaning of this phrase that the righteous people can't have tranquility? So the answer to this question is that Yaakov, Jacob had thought originally that his mission was complete. Mission accomplished. He had weathered the storms. He had gotten the blessings from his father. He had dealt with Lavan. He had overcome. He still was a tzaddik. He didn't, like we mentioned last week, he didn't change one iota. He still is the same Yaakov. And now he had the 12 tribes. He felt that his task was complete. And he can quote-unquote enjoy his golden years. But it was just the opposite, that now, him coming back to Israel, to Eretz Yisrael, was just the beginning of Joseph being kidnapped and the Jewish people's descent into Egypt, which would subsequently lead to the Jewish people's exodus from Egypt, which would lead to the giving of the Torah and the making of a nation. Yaakov thought that he had completed everything he needed to do in his lifetime. And now he could take it easy. But he didn't realize that his life mission was not complete yet. He still had more to do. He still had more to accomplish. And this thought really brings out a major point that we have to keep in mind. One of the things I do is that I give a class in a retirement community not too far from where I live. And, you know, the people that live there, they're retired, they're older. And they are pretty independent. They're all, they live by themselves. And I even have some people that come to my class that are over 100 years old. And there was a person, a friend of mine, his name was Joe. You know, at this point, he's passed on to the next world. But he was coming to the Torah class even when he was past 100 years old. And I used to call Joe. I was close with him. And in our conversations at times, he would sometimes express this feeling that he didn't have too much more to live for. He's already 100 years old. He lived life. And what does he have to live for? He doesn't have any enjoyments anymore. He's done it all. So I tried to explain to him. So I told him, I said that as long as we're living, there's what for us to accomplish. That there's an expression. I believe it's from Rabbi Nachman of Breslev. That Kozman zman shaner doleik Efschalasakin, that as long as the flame is burning, it's possible to fix. That as long as we're on this world, we have a mission to accomplish. We have things to fix. We have things to do, and there's always a way for us to become better. We have to remember that, because I know we talked last week about spiritual uh, plateauing. We don't believe in that. Two weeks ago, I'm sorry. Jacob's ladder up or down but the point is is that it's always time is a gift you know there's an expression people have what are you going to do I'm going to just kill some time that's the worst thing we could ever do kill time we have to be productive with our time not kill time and this is the message of Vayesh Yaakov doesn't mean that the tzaddikim can't have tranquility it was God was telling Yaakov Avinu that your mission is not done. Don't think you've completed everything. You still have what to do. And it's, this is going to be the culmination, which is the Jews going into Egypt and coming out of Egypt and me performing miracles for them and accepting the Torah at Har Sinai and hearing the word of God directly from him. That is what Hashem was telling Yaakov Avinu. And that's the message for us as well that as long as we're here we need to take advantage of the time that we have and there's always something to do and i want to bring out something even deeper cuz you know there's some people that they can't even do anything right people who are handicapped or they're they're not even cognizant they're they're in a coma so you say well, how could they accomplish in this world how w- w- what's their mission how are they you know becoming better people and the answer to that is that even if somebody is not able to do anything but if they they're they're here in this world they're able to be a conduit for us to become better people. So that if there's somebody who can't do anything, they're they're immobile. But yet they're causing other people to help him or help her so that person is causing change even if they're not able to do anything. And that's the importance of life. You know the Judaism, the Torah, life is sacrosanct and will do anything to preserve life. Even for those people who are not able to do anything, they're still able to make the world a better place by being a conduit for good, and we should keep that in mind. Another thought I wanted to share from this week's Parsha, which is really also throughout the story and really reflects Jacob and Joseph, who the Medrash tells us they shared similar lives, is that we learn a lot about the Jewish spirit. You know, Yaakov, right, who, who was broken after his son was, he thought was killed. He thought he had failed in his life because he was told that if he would have tw- 12 tribes, they would be established as a house of Israel. And now, one of his sons had died. He thought it was over. Joseph, Yosef, He had dreams that his brothers would bow down to him. He was, you know, his father loved him. And he was sitting in a dungeon in Egypt. He could have thought that he never would have gotten out of there. But we see that both Yaakov and Yosef, they still stayed the course. They still served Hashem like like they were beforehand. They didn't waver. They didn't break just because it didn't make sense to them right in front of their face, right? It seemed to be going the way they wanted it to go. They didn't understand the situation. They still held steady and served Hashem the same way as they were doing it beforehand. And this is a very big lesson for us, which has kept the Jewish people going and, God willing, will keep us going forward in the future as well. You know, you hear stories in the concentration camp Um, in communist Russia, in the Crusades, how Jewish people risked everything to perform mitzvot, to learn Torah, to do good things, right? To care for each other, to give up their life for Judaism. And this is a lesson for us going forward as well. That even though things maybe don't make sense to us all the time, or maybe we're down about something, we still have to push ourselves to serve Hashem the same way we were doing it beforehand. Granted, it's not easy to do this, it's not easy, but that's where the test is sometimes. I had a rabbi of mine would say, the real challenge to learn is to learn when you don't want to learn. You know, he was talking to boys in yeshiva who, who are studying Torah, we're training ourselves how to study Torah and to get into your daily schedule to learn Torah every day. And he would tell us, you know, when you're in the mood to learn, it's easy. It's when you're not in the mood to learn, that's what you're training for. And, you know, taking this conversation to running, as I like to do sometimes, a coach of mine has said is that that moment that it's the hardest moment, that's the moment you're training for. When you're running in a race and you feel like you can't go anymore, that's the moment you got to keep pushing to get over that little hump. And usually it's, a, it's easier from that point on. But when it comes to our service of Hashem, we have to have this recognition as well that we can't let our spirit be broken. That even if things might seem dark and seem down, people like to get down in the dumps and stay there. That's where the Yitzhahara, evil inclination, wants to put us. We can't go there. We have to keep ourselves up, pick ourselves up, and keep going just as we were going beforehand. And God willing, when we push ourselves to do that, it helps us get back into that good routine, and it helps us get out of that bad mood. The last thought I wanted to share is from the end of the parsha, where the Torah tells us how Yosef successfully interprets the dream of the chamberlain of the cupbearers of Paro and the chamberlain of the bakers, right? The royal cupbearer and the royal baker of Paro. And the Torah tells us how Yosef interprets the dream of each one. And the question is, is what was the difference, right? The dream, the first dream of the cup beer, we see that he tells Yosef that there's a cup and he, there's, three, there's three tendrils of grapes and he's squeezing the tendrils of grapes, the clusters of grapes into the cup of paro. And Yosef tells him that in three days, you're going to be called out of prison and you're going to be restored to your position. And the baker, the royal baker of Paro comes forward and tells Yosef his dream is that there's three baskets on his head with bread of Paro in each one of the baskets and the birds are eating from the baskets. And Yosef tells him that in three days, Paro is going to execute you. And that's what happens. And the question is, at first glance, the dreams seem to be pretty similar to each other. Three and They're just doing what they do, right? For the cupbearer, it's squeezing the grapes. And for the baker, he's just baking the bread. How was Yosef able to interpret one dream for life and one dream would be a person going to his death? And the commentaries discuss this. And one answer that is given is that in the dream, the baker saw birds eating from the basket. And the commentaries explain that birds are afraid of human beings. So if they're eating from the basket, it must be that he's going to be executed. Reb Ochanel Wasserman explains another answer. He says, if you look at the verses very carefully, you scrutinize the verse, it reveals a major difference in the wording of the two dreams that the baker and the cup bearer said. That if you look at the cup beer, he said, I held Paro's cup in my hand and I took the grapes and I pressed them into Paro's cup and I placed them in Paro's palm. And if you look at The baker's dream, it says three wicker baskets were on my head, and on the uppermost baskets were all kinds of Paro's food, and the birds were eating from them from the basket on my head. There's a contrast. By the cupbearer, there's action. I took the grapes. I placed it in Paro's hands. I pressed it. And by the baker, there's no action. Rabbi says is that what was indicated to Yosef was the action. That action represents life and inaction represents death. He explains that we are alive as our actions. If we do productive actions, we're living, we're going, we're producing. But if we're not doing those productive actions, we're just sitting around. It's almost as if we're lifeless. And this is something which is very important to remember. If you ask people about their Judaism, they'll say they feel Jewish in their heart. This is a very beautiful thought. It is very beautiful to be, feel Jewish in your heart, to be a cardiac Jew. But we have to be Jews in action. We have to do. The Torah is about action, about doing. And we have to keep this in mind as we go through our lives. We all have to realize that we have a mission to accomplish, a mission to do. It's a mission, a life of action, of purpose. And God willing, when we do that, we're able to live to our fullest potentials. That's going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomacom with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.